you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm a senior NBA writer. This is your Futures Friday episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Glad to have you with us. Joining me today, Joe DeLera, NBA expert extraordinaire over the Action Network, who's finally feeling better. Joe, how are you doing? Dude, we're doing good. We feel healthy right now, and uh, let's let's get wealthy. So we'll nice. do okay. <laughs> Very nice. All right, so on today's show, we're going to talk about the Atlantic Division because I've kind of singled this one out. It's been rattling around my brain as like a... I think this is a, a pretty good opportunity for betters to get in on a situation, depending on, you know, what your individual take on certain teams is. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to do one random future. And then uh, that's going to be it for this week. And then next week, we'll probably be back with another episode with uh, a guest for next week before Brandon Anderson likely returns the week after as the NFL playoffs wind down. A reminder, everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. Uh, I am constantly sweating all those green dots. Uh, my track record over the season has been excellent. My track record yep. over the last 30 days has been excellent. I'm on a bit of a hot streak. So if you want to follow me in there, you can at HP basketball. You can also follow Joe and all of his prop plays There's millions and millions and millions of prop plays in there, as well as all of my just ridiculous parlays that I've been putting in, um, <laughs> that we'll be adding to. So we're not going to do a parlay though this week. We're going to start with the Atlantic division, Joe, and the Celtics right now to win this division are minus 450 at FanDuel Sportsbook. 81% implied. And on the surface, based off of the narrative, that number makes sense. Boston Celtics, after all, the number one team in the league, have the best record, have the best net rating, have gotten off to a great start. Jason Tatum's MVP candidate, just beat the Bucks on Christmas, did all these great things. This number is patently fucking absurd. Are you kidding me? 81% implied that the Boston Celtics are going to win this division? To run this down, the Celtics are 30 and 12, which is an incredible record. The Brooklyn Nets are 27 and 13, one game behind in the loss column. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon before they meet on Thursday night. Likely the Nets win that game with no Kevin Durant. Even still, they would be two games back. 
the Milwaukee Bucks are two games back, but then the Philadelphia 76ers in the same division are just three games back of the Boston Celtics. Um, we'll talk about what the implied numbers are for the Nets and Sixers and the opportunities there, but just on the surface, we need to kind of establish this first as a, as like a prior Joe, do you agree with me that 81% implied at minus 450 is an absurd number for the Boston Celtics? Oh, it's absolutely crazy, especially when you really think about the fact that they've, at the time of this recording, say like they'll play the Nets twice. So maybe they at least have a split in terms of the season series. They've only played the Sixers once. So like that's that's a, that's a little bit of a tough spot there. That's three games. The Sixers win all three. You close the gap and take the tiebreaker, and you're getting this crazy long number. It's too early. There's too many things that can happen. And Jalen Brown is. It looks like he's going to be. He was out last night against the against the Brooklyn Nets with an adductor issue. Like who knows what that is? If that's a lingering thing, I don't. Or maybe it's because of the back to back. Like I don't know. But that does seem a little bit crazy, especially when you really look and you see that all three of these teams are top six in adjusted net rating like i i don't and we've only seen boston's number come down because they started off so impossibly hot so at a certain point we're going to look at this boston team and say like what is this boston team and like did they peak and was it in you know like was it in october was it in november and are we getting these other teams where they're gonna start really hitting like a groove and you know like the nets they got tj warren they have nick plaxton's been looking incredible um, the Nets look good, and the Sixers are obviously getting healthy. So I think this number is absolutely crazy. I'm 100% with you on that. Cleaning glass is expected. Pythag, uh, Pythag expectation for them is 58 wins. Um, the others are lower on that list. The question is just whether you believe – like for me, this is a question of do we think Boston is as good as they've been in the first 41 games? And honestly, when we break that down, it's – they were a really good team in the first month of the season. They were the best team in the history of all life on earth between November and December. And then they came back down to earth and they're not as bad as they were in that stretch versus the Warriors, the Clippers, the magic twice loss of the wizards. Like that was a low point for them for sure. Yeah. But it's like over the course of the next 40 games, are they going to adjust more towards 54, 53, 52, or are they going to adjust more towards 57, 58, 59? Um, my numbers right now, I have them projected for 56 wins. And it's been tailing downward. So I kind of feel like at the end, I'm still like, I have them under 56 and a half, under 55 and a half, under 54 and a half. I think I'm live for all three. I still feel pretty good that the Boston Celtics are going to hit my under just based off of how unsustainable the offense was for a, a duration yeah. of time there. So the, the question then though, is like, we have to ask, like, it's not just about is Boston going to continue to be as good. Can anybody catch them? Uh, the nets right now at FanDuel are plus 400. That's 20% implied. These Philadelphia 76ers. This is the one that was, I was like, I'm sorry, what yeah. the Sixers are plus 1600 at 5.9% implied. <laughs> It's insane. Again, just to run down the numbers here, if the if the Celtics like the Nuggets in their division, right? The Nuggets have thirteen losses. The next team closest to them, the Utah Jazz, have ten fewer or ten more losses. Like yeah. the Nuggets are ten up in the division. Okay, sure. The the Nuggets are probably going to kind of win. <laughs> the northwest the west. <laughs> the they're, west. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty good 
But in the Atlantic, we're talking about 12 losses, 13 losses, 15 losses. If you're listening to this and you're like, Matt, the Celtics are at 0.71, a 71% win rate. The Nets are at 68. The Sixers are at 63. Why are you not talking about win percentage? Here's why. Um, Whenever I do playoff tracking, the key number is the number of losses that you have. You can make up wins. You can't make up losses. Once you get behind, like you can't unlose a game. That number yeah. doesn't go good, never ever goes down, right? Now, you could say like wins don't go down either, but the the issue here is that you have to be able to catch up. The bigger key to me is that it, since Boston has played fewer games at 30 and 12, um I'm sorry, more games at 30 and 12, the Philadelphia 76ers are behind. They still have to like they are behind for a reason. They should be a plus number. I'm not saying these teams are even. It's the disparity between those two. Um I will tell you right now that if you bet if you bet both of those numbers at FanDuel, Sixers or Nets, that's an implied 26%. That comes out to plus 284. Your return rates on these are plus 400 or plus 1600. The question is just basically, do you think that there is a better than 74% chance that the Boston Celtics do not win this division? What yeah. do you think? I think it's, I think, I think that's absolutely like a bet. Um, I think that when you look at this too, like, I don't, I don't know. Like when I look at the Celtics, like Tatum is great. When I look at that team, like I don't think of them in the same way in terms of like elite shot makers and like think as good as Tatum is. And like, when I'm looking at this too, like when you look at their expected and like expected effective field goal percentage versus their actual, there's a pretty significant difference. It's 2% difference, but that, difference is they're shooting two percent better than expected and it takes them from 16th in terms of expected location to fourth they don't seem to me like a team like brooklyn where we know that you have guys like katie and Kyrie that just shoot the lights out from everywhere on the floor and you see that type of differential and it's like okay i can i can understand it um like like tatum as good as he is like he shouldn't on his own be increasing that number as much as it does because i don't think of jalen brown as like an elite shot maker, shot getter. He can get his own bucket, but that's not the way that I view him per se. So I, I think this number is crazy. And if, even if the net, even if this number goes down, if the Nets happen to beat the Celtics on Thursday night, then I think you're in even a better position, and the number is just even better because you're you're split the season series without Kevin Durant in one of the games. So now you're in a position where you could even win that, get that tiebreaker, uh, and go up three to one on the series, as opposed to maybe maxing out at two two. What I think is what's fascinating about this is, um, yeah, I want to be careful here because when you're trying to make a case for a bet, and I know that a lot with content and even even stuff that we do here you will go too far in finding all of the reasons that support your argument and support the bet versus like, really, it should just be, no, I think 74% is high. Like, I think that I, yeah. I think the the Celtics should be at like 60%, which is still heavily favored between all of the teams. Like they'll have yeah. the majority of the share of, of probability to win this division, but it shouldn't be 74%. Like that 15% differential across all the bets that we make is important here. Um, what's interesting though, I think is I, I actually like, I've been thinking about this a lot. So their number to win the Eastern Conference right now, they're plus 180, which is only 35% implied. I feel like that's a slight, a touch low. Um, we see the Milwaukee Bucks continue to struggle. They got this win versus the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday night. They hit nine yeah. three-pointers in the first quarter and still had to come back in that game 
to steal a win versus the Hawks. Like the Hawks caught them and then they had to trade in play. Like, and trade didn't play, right? So like all of the numbers suggest that Milwaukee is not nearly as good as what their number plus 280 in the market suggests. Um, now all these other numbers I think are, are, are pretty solid too. Like the nets, I think are probably a little yeah. underrated at 440. The Sixers at plus 750, the Cavs in particular at plus 900. And then the rest of the conference is garbage. Sorry, Miami heat. But <laughs> like, this is my point here is that I'm not trying to make like the bet here on the division is not to me. It's not about how good the Boston Celtics are. I think the Boston Celtics should be even like shorter favorites to win the East based off of how Milwaukee's playing. Yeah. It's that the regular season performance is a lot more about who do you beat? How consistently, what are your numbers? And uh, you know, I'll tell you like the best value on the board right now for me is the Philadelphia 76ers. I mentioned, I have the, the Celtics right now projected for 56 wins. I have the Sixers projected for 55 at 54 yeah. and a half round up. It's like a, a, a game and a half differential. So it's 16 to one. Like I love the, the, the Sixers here at 16 to one. I, I will say that I'm not going to bet the nets right now because I already bet them weeks ago when they started to turn the corner at 1800. And I hate to do that to the audience to be like, Hey, here's a great number. I got that. You can't get anymore. <laughs> I do think that if you're going to bet it, like you should bet both ways. If you think, if you agree with us, the Boston Celtics aren't just going to run away with this. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It's entirely possible that Boston runs away. But if we look at the percentage chances that this occurred, combined with what I, I agree with you on, this team has shot insanely well. And we've started to see that wobble a little bit. And to me, like that's going to lead into more where the regression comes from. The idea yeah. has been that like their defense will continue to regress with Robert Williams back, but A, he's not starting. They're up to eighth in defense, which – like they should be eighth in defense. They're good. Yeah. They're not the number one defense in the league by far, like they were last year. And they have the easiest defensive strength of schedule. The Sixers have the easiest strength of schedule overall. Like the Sixers are just beat up on bad teams. But if you listen to this yeah, pod forever, you know, like that's what I love. Like I can count do on that. the Sixers. The Sixers aren't yeah. losing random ass games all that often in a league where everyone seems to do that night to night. Yeah, the Sixers floor always seems to be very high because you have guys like Hart. If you have somebody that's going to cook on any given night, whether it's Harden, Maxi, or Embiid. So I think that there's like a pretty reliable floor with them. So I do like this. And like we haven't really seen Boston like struggle with a big like adversity yet this season, which I feel like is always common in a lot of teams that you have to deal with something or a guy being out like two yeah. weeks or so, maybe two and a half. And we haven't seen that. And, you know, part of that's because a lot of the team is young, but you know, who knows, like if Robert Williams go, like has another issue, if something flares up, if, if this injury with Jalen Brown is more significant, then what does that do to the team? How does that tax them? Maybe they drop a game or two, because that's really what we're talking about. The margins here are so thin on this division. You could argue that the three best teams in the East are all in the Atlantic division and the margins are thin. So if you have a guy miss like a couple of weeks, you you can be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the that there is a bet to be made here. If you haven't entered the market yet, if you have, especially look, if you if you got Boston at a plus number, this is a great opportunity right now to oh, yeah. those other teams and lock in a profit. Um, yeah. If you haven't entered the market and you're looking to, and you agree with this analysis, I think Sixers and Nets combined is good bets on both. And then if I have to make one. I bet on on Sixers. If you had to bet between the two, Sixers plus 1,600 or the Nets at plus 400, which one do you like better? 
I'm probably taking the Sixers and specifically because if the Nets struggle for the next like couple weeks without Durant, but if they're still within striking distance, I think there might be a buy opportunity on the Nets in like a week or two, um, as opposed to the Sixers. If the Nets struggle, then that means that the Sixers are probably going to move up in that st- in the standing bracket, maybe a little bit in the Atlantic. So I want that 1300 now. And maybe like, I, I definitely, if I, if I'm not in at all, definitely I like the combo way to do it, but I also think that you're going to get a good number on the nets, maybe in like a week or two when these people see them maybe struggling with Kyrie, just trying to, you know, hold the team up. We're going to move on and do one random future. This is just a random like futures Friday bet that we want to talk about. And for me this week, it's going to be six man of the year, uh, which continues to be the most perplexing award I've given out. I think 18 bets on this award show. Like it's, it is scattershot. <laughs> I will say that like, I don't think that if you're looking to bet this, you should be putting in heavy units on anybody. I think that this award is still very much up in the air. I want to mention Malcolm Brogdon, um, and I I want to talk about it. I'm still kind of deciding whether or not this is worth a bet right now. The reason I mention him is the NBA media, NBA.com released a media vote halfway Mark poll. Mark Rodina did it, a longtime beat writer. Mark's great. Talk to beat writers. That was what the, the voting poll was. And beat writers do make up a significant chunk, the majority of the voting block for these awards. Not the entirety, but the significant chunk. And what I thought was interesting was Jordan Poole was the significant favorite there, even though he's played more, he started more games than he's come off the bench. The other thing with Jordan Poole is that by the end of the season, someone, like when we do the, com- when the online conversations develop about these guys, there will yeah. be like a, a very strong narrative of, here's Jordan Poole stats when Steph Curry did not play. Here's Jordan Poole stats when Steph did play and you'll go like, oh, so like when, when he was actually a sixth man, he wasn't as good as when he got to be a starter and play with Draymond and those guys all the time. Right. So that impacts things. But the second name on that list is Malcolm Brogdon. who's currently plus 550 at FanDuel. I have like Jokic is kind of this, like if everybody else just can't get there, if the, if Luca and the Mavericks can't win enough games and Tatum doesn't have the stats, and Embiid has, doesn't play enough games, and KD doesn't play enough games, and the Bucks aren't good enough. Is Jan is like Jokic just could be last man standing again? I kind of wonder if we're looking at. at I want to at least propose the idea that Malcolm Brogdon might be the last man standing. Like really great player comes off the bench. The stats aren't amazing. They don't fit the profile of this, which is just like guys that score. But we also don't have a runaway twenty points a night bench guy right now. We just don't have it. I have bets on Norman Powell. I feel good about those. But I kind of wonder if Malcolm Brogdon is going to wind up taking this award in a very weird year for six man of the year. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely a good angle, especially when you look at Boston as the team that's at the top of the division, top of the conference. So if they continue on this trajectory, a lot of it probably deals with his health, which has been relatively good this season. So if he's able to kind of keep that going, you might be looking at like a default type of answer there and just saying like, all right, this is the guy. And there's really, there's just no risk that he's going to enter the starting lineup, which is something that I think is a concern with a lot of these other guys that are in the sixth man of the year uh, voting pool, essentially. Um, you you have to worry like, like Christian Wood, he's now a starter. So there's a lot of guys that you can run into that too, but Malcolm Brogdon's not really one of them. What's your uh, best bet right now for an NBA future you want to throw out there? So it really just pains me immensely that Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. I know. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, so, but I do think, honestly, like if he's only going to miss two weeks, I think that you could play him at 13 to one. Um, 
Because that's what they're saying. He's going to be reevaluating in two weeks. And their stretch of games actually is like, but the problem is stretch of games that they have is like really brutal over the next like two weeks. Like they play like all top tier playoff teams over the next two weeks. So if that's going to be a point where maybe they, the team says like, you know what, we're packing it in, we're done. Like we got to, like we have, and we have to pick somebody new. I still, and we've talked about this now, we're seeing all plus money on this award for the first time in a long time. Shea is now even money. So I'm looking one more spot down on a team that likely makes the playoffs now. Jalen Brunson's 30 to one to win most improved player of the year. And when you look at this, it's you're getting that New York bump. You're going to get the New York bump in the in the voting. And there, he's going, always going to have nationally, nationally televised games. You're going to see a lot more games from him. He's taking his scoring up from 16.3 to 21.9. And he's averaging 6.4 assists compared to 4.8 last year. So he's he's putting up the numbers. He's putting up, put, he's having some big performances uh, in terms of his scoring output. And the team is starting to kind of gel a little bit more. The concern is really just like when you actually look at him, like in terms of EPM or anything like that, he like he does not compare to a Shea or a Halliburton or even like a Laurie Markkinen. But just the fact that the team is going to be in the playoffs, he may or may not make the all-star team in the East. Uh, and, you know, you're getting that New York bump, especially in the voting, like eyes are going to be on him. It's easy to get that narrative out there. And it's, I think it's a lot easier for somebody to say like, well, look at what Jalen Brunson's doing in New York. He's the, finally the point guard they've had compared to like Laurie Markkinen, who's doing it in Utah on a team that like, I think is probably going to want up missing the playoffs at the end of the day. So I like him. At, I think 30 to one's long. I have some positions from preseason uh, at like 15 to one, 16 to one. I thought he was somebody that was going to really step into this. And I think now you're getting an opportunity to buy it like a little bit longer of a number uh, in like a relatively small field, honestly. 22 and six <laughs> on 47, 39, 85 splits. Pretty good. Um, yeah. The other thing is like, look, I, I can't, this has been something I've been kind of noticing is the Knicks are top 10 in both adjusted offense and adjusted defense. Like this team projects as being pretty good. Yeah. No one can really believe it. No, everyone's like, I can't. Really? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, if if the Knicks make the play, I mean, we've said this before, right? It's the combination that we talked about in preseason is um, young player, but not second year. Check yep. that mark. Uh, makes a jump from low teens to mid-20s. Check. Uh, in scoring. All-star. Usually first-time all-star. Yeah. If the Knicks are in the like entirely possible that if there's injuries, Jalen Brunson sneaks out one of the reserve spots. Yeah. Right? So he he does check all the categories as much as we've been focused on Hallie, Lori, and Shay. If like Shay could get shut down at any point, the Jazz continue to like they're not the Jazz aren't like spiraling. It's just like a slow glide. It's like a leaf. Yeah, like the Super Mario Brothers going drifting, down. Yeah, drifting down. <laughs> Alberton, I still like the position on him um, based off of the Pacers. I think are pretty good. But you you mentioned like two weeks. That's it. The the report from Woj was like got to see about more imaging. So, like, as we record this, you know, Brunson could shoot way up if, if, some, if God forbid, the news is bad on Halley. So, yeah, yeah I, I like it 30 to 1. I'm probably going to put this in just as a hedge position on the rest of the random-ass things that I bet with Shea um, yeah. and Halley to a certain degree. And I always think, too, like, it's a little weird when the market goes the opposite way on a guy like Shea. So, Shea was, like, an overwhelming favorite on this award, like, three weeks ago. You know, and then you're looking, I'm looking at it. I'm like, what, 
his performance hasn't really changed like all that much. I think his scoring has gone down maybe like a touch uh, and he's definitely missing his prop overs now. Like the market's adjusted there, but the fact that he's now plus money or even money, I think it's concerning in terms of like what's being like, maybe what the narrative is or maybe what OKC is doing. And like you said, he's always a candidate to get shut down. So 30 to one for a New York guy. That's, you know, I, I think I love that spot. Yeah. So I, I'm just been looking over like the random ass, uh, most improved players that I've I put on this list. And yes. like I have I have bets at like 36 to 1 on Shea, 2400 on Lori. I have a Keldon Johnson ticket that's probably not oh, gonna catch. that's a classic. <laughs> I have a Tyrese Matt. I have a I have so much Tyrese Matt. Like I honestly yeah. need to just bet Jalen Brunson to hedge out of my Tyrese Maxi position given <laughs> that the injury pretty much ended his candidacy before it got started. I have Sadiq Bay. I have Colin Sexton here from preseason on small unit bets. Um so yeah I think I'm gonna put in a I'm gonna go ahead and put a bet on Jalen Brunson. This is a good call. But hopefully for you uh, Tyrese Halberton will be okay because I know that that will be your your eternal victory lap if Tyrese. I know. I, I'm like going to add to this at 13 to one, probably like a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> All right, it's going to wrap it up for buckets. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Dolera, two L's, and you can follow me on Twitter at HB Basketball. You can check both of us out in the Action Network app. Hope you have yourselves a great betting weekend. We'll be back on Monday with the weekend recap episode with Albert Wynn. Until then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.